And one of the first things that is absolutely crucial is it has to have a huge potential or at least a huge promise for potential, right? You have to be able to sell an extremely grandiose vision for what this could be. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Daily Bread Podcast. I am recording from a foreign location today. I am not in my studio. I do not have my green screen. Uh, I'm currently on vacation in Spain for the holidays, visiting some family. But you know, you know me. The, the grind, the grind never stops here at Daily Bread. Okay, so even when we're on vacation, the grind is still on. I'm still making videos. I'm still putting out podcasts for you because, you know, I, I can't let my my loyal audience not have content from Daily Bread for more than like a week or two. You know, I, I, I could be at the beach right now. I could be chilling in the sun, relaxing. But instead, I'm, I'm here. I'm at an Airbnb recording this for you. So anyways, I don't have my normal setup. Uh, it's a little little janky here, but we're, get, we're making it work. We are making it work the best we can. The video I was working on yesterday uh, was about ChatGPT, and it got me thinking about crypto narratives, and I'll tell you why. The video was basically I was trying to make a or have ChatGPT make um, indicators in TradingView for me, like code them for me, and then I use them to trade. It was more of just like a testing out chat GPT's abilities and seeing what the hype was about. Uh, so you can go watch the video. That is probably up by the time you're listening to this. So go go check that out. But it got me thinking about crypto narratives. And this is why. Because obviously chat GPT has been everywhere. Uh, you know, it's been all over Twitter and the news, all that. People talking about how it's going to take everyone's jobs. Uh, there's going to be tons of AI like service businesses made in the next couple of years, all of that, right? And how like, you know, every big company from Google to Microsoft to whoever is like investing a ton of money and trying to create their own, you know, uh, basically AI systems. And it got me thinking about crypto narratives because I think that AI will have a spot in the crypto narrative cycle this coming bull run, you know, whenever we have it in like a year or two, because I think the, the timing matches up there. And I'll get more into that in a second. But um, it got me thinking and I'll, and I'll get more into the AI specifically, but it got me thinking about, OK, how do I assess a crypto narrative, a, a, a narrative that I think could really take off and kind of how do I anticipate these things? I don't want to say predict because you can't really predict uh, narratives, but more of once you see something early and see it kind of start developing, how do you anticipate whether that will become something very, very big or whether it'll fizzle out and not that be, be that big of a deal, right? Because that's, that's one of the most crucial skills in crypto is understanding some narratives early, right? People who are early to dog tokens and there really were people, remember how stupid dog tokens were the first time you kind of heard about them. People who were early to that made a ton of money. And then, you know, same thing with like NFTs and all this. So, you know, we've seen plenty of examples of where there might be things that seem stupid in the beginning, but end up being huge narratives. And so what's the difference? Why do some narratives take off and become, you know, 
worldwide uh, phenomenon and why do some fizzle out very quickly? And I think it really comes down to the mimetic spreading ability, the mimetic theory behind it. I know that sounds very, uh, uh, whatever, vague, but it, it comes down to the ability for something to spread virally and really stick right, and not fade out. That, that That's kind of the main thing. Can it spread virally and can it stick? And so I was thinking about this and I was kind of writing notes and uh, I have them on my phone today, actually. Let me pull them up. Got my notes on my phone because I uh, don't have my setup. So here's what I wrote. So you have to think mimetically about narratives, right? And so then when you're thinking mimetically uh, and essentially what is the, the meme potential, and when I say meme, I don't literally mean like memes, even though that's a part of it. I mean, in, like I said, like the the spread potential, kind of a very, very Chomsky-esque mimetic desire. I know, very, very, very heady, but but I don't mean to get so philosophical. I just mean like practically. So what's the criteria for a narrative, right? So I kind of started writing some bullet points. And one of the first things that is absolutely crucial is it has to have a huge potential or at least a huge promise for potential, right? You have to be able to sell an extremely grandiose vision for what this could be. And an example that I'm going to correlate why I think AI could be a good token uh, meme for this next cycle, I'm going to correlate it to the metaverse tokens and the metaverse NFTs and all of that that we saw in this last cycle, metaverse and, and, and gaming. If you look at metaverse as an example, right, it had huge grandiose vision. Why? Because this is something that people have been talking about. Really, I was kind of thinking, what, since like the early 80s, probably? Like I was thinking like Tron. Tron came out, I think, in 1982 or 3. Um, and that was one of the first like mainstream movies where people are like living inside of a computer and, and they're living in a virtual world. And so this is a concept that's been around for at least 40 years or so now. Um, and so it's it's got that vision. But also on top of that, the promise of metaverse was that you can live almost in a virtual world. In, in people are going to do business in the virtual worlds. They're going to hang out in these virtual worlds. All their friends are going to be virtual. And it's not that unbelievable because in a sense a lot of us already kind of do live in the metaverse, just in a, a 2D metaverse, right? I mean, most of our lives are very, very online these days. So the stretch wasn't that far, right? And so the grandiose vision was like, well, we kind of already live our lives in this 2D text-based, you know, maybe 2D video, right? YouTube, TikTok, whatever. The next step is to like literally become part of that 3D world. And so that is point number one. You need to have a grandiose vision. And so for AI, obviously very similar to metaverse, this is a concept that's been around forever, right? The the singularity, AI taking over, robots doing jobs and all this. I mean, you can go back to the Jetsons in, in the 60s and, and, and see this uh, mimetic spread of this idea. Uh, and so it's got that Lindy effect, right? Both metaverse and AI have this Lindy effect of it's been something that people have thought about for, for decades now. And so that's, that's the first one, a grandiose vision. And then the second one is it needs to be, I wrote, simple enough for the average person to understand at a basic level, but not at a high level. 
because what that means is like they need to be able to understand it in in a simple enough manner in similar to uh uh metaverse being like oh yeah we live in a computer world and ai being like oh yeah robots will get smarter and start doing people's jobs like that needs to be the basic part of it but then the high level needs to be they can't have a good enough understanding to know whether this is real or not. And that's part of the thing that really hurts a lot of people who are kind of, uh, I guess you could just say smarter, is that they kind of, it's like the zero IQ, uh, you know, 200 IQ, middle IQ meme, right? With the metaverse, because I mid IQ to the metaverse 100%, right? I was pretty late to it, not because I didn't know about it, right? Like, I remember um, with Mana, I mean, I think in 2019, I remember I had a friend who told me he was buying like Decentraland land and telling me to buy it. And God, I mean, I would have, I mean, that was probably a thousand X, you know, investment uh, around there uh, if I did it. And I didn't do it because I said, this is this kind of dumb. Like the feasibility of this is not not realistic for what they're doing. And so that kind of killed me. And that's kind of the classic uh, trader or investor's mistake is like, they almost know too much for their own good, right? The zero IQ people who are like, oh yeah, land in the metaverse, I'm going to buy it. And then the 200 IQ people who are like, oh yeah, uh, I know this is stupid, but I know it's so stupid and so such a big, grandiose idea that all the normies are going to buy it, right? And the mid-IQ people don't make any money. And so AI is kind of a similar thing. I think the zero IQ is like the average person being like, they don't know anything about AI. They don't understand how machine learning works. They don't understand training models. They don't, they, nothing, absolutely nothing. They just know like, oh yeah, robots have gotten better over time, right? They started by, uh, we saw like, they started beating people at chess like 30, 40 years ago. And now, you know, pretty soon they're going to take all of our jobs. Very simple concept. Doesn't take a genius to understand that. Uh, and then the 200 IQ take is, yeah, we're probably like everything going to hype this up way too much, way too soon. And people are going to expect robots to be super geniuses within the next like three years. And will that probably happen within 30 years? Yeah, but it won't happen now. And so the hype cycle will way overvalue the technology in the short term in the same way that metaverse coins and land like I mean, the market caps of some of these things were in the multiple billions, if not tens of billions at the top of the market, right? So you need both. You need it to be simple enough for the average person to understand, but complex enough to where they're not going to understand the realism of it or not, right? They just need to believe in the grandiose vision, but not understand the details of how feasible things are. Because if everyone totally understood how feasible everything was, then there wouldn't be that much hype because the realistic take is like, yeah, you know, ChatGPT is pretty cool. We'll probably see some cool stuff within maybe like three, four years that's that's pretty decently advanced. But the real, real good singularity general intelligence stuff is probably still at the very minimum another like decade away if not maybe 20, 30 years, right? That's, and probably similar for metaverse, right? Like VR tech and living in virtual worlds. Yeah, I'm sure 30 years from now, we're gonna have some pretty sick shit, but it was just too soon right now. And so, so you need both, you need both. And so the next thing you need, sorry, this chair is kind of uncomfortable, I'm gonna be honest with you. It's like this weird, it's like this modern, I don't know. Anyways, anyways, you don't care about the chair. Okay, it's just kind of uncomfortable. Bear with me. Next up. 
yeah, okay. You need non-crypto forces. So this was another huge thing that the metaverse had. Not only did it have like the traditional um, like kind of media idea behind it in terms of like we've had movies and TV shows about metaverse before, but you also had huge companies and non-crypto forces actively working in the space. The biggest obviously being Facebook completely changing the name of the company to Meta and Mark Zuckerberg saying we are dedicating the company to becoming a metaverse company, right? And so Facebook was the biggest example, but you saw a bunch of other companies start investing in metaverse stuff too. So that that's one thing where you get this external validation of the idea and the concept and the narrative. So that's another huge thing that you need for a big narrative that really, really helps. I guess you could say that one, you don't necessarily need it because with something like dog tokens, for example, you didn't necessarily have like external validation of that. I guess you had Elon. I mean, honestly, maybe now that I think about it, because Elon was not a crypto guy. And then he kind of legitimized Doge, as stupid as that is. So maybe you still, maybe I am right. I'll have to think a little more about that. But it certainly helps, right? That's an ex Those are two examples where like you had the, because remember, we have more of a different view of Elon now today. But remember Elon a few years ago when he was like the Tesla SpaceX guy and he was like king of the world. Uh, people saw him as like a god king, you know? And he, some people still view him as that now, but I think some people are, are changing their views. But that's not the point. The point is that you had Elon doing that for dog tokens and for like metaverse, you had like a guy like Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook, which everyone knows is like when people think of Mark Zuckerberg before the last two years, they mostly thought the average person mostly thought of Mark Zuckerberg as like the genius billionaire kid, right? People saw the movie, The Social Network, and they kind of know that obviously Facebook owns like Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp. And they're like this giant omnipotent company okay globally with billions of users and so this gave legitimacy to the metaverse concept and so for ai you have to say okay how do we get legitimacy well that's easy because we already have it right you already have tools like chat gpt coming out and gaining virality completely outside of crypto you have google and microsoft and all these companies saying that they are heavily heavily investing in ai uh, basically similar to chat GPT and to try to get all these tools going. And so uh, that legitimacy is very much there for this. And so that's kind of the next bullet point in all this. It, and, and it makes sense too, because it gives people, when the crypto narrative starts taking off, uh, around it, then you'll start because the easy thing is people will say, oh, this is just another crypto narrative. This is just another whatever dumb token thing. But then if you have all this validation from all these other big companies and, and everybody talking about it, and it doesn't have to be a purely crypto thing, then you really start getting external validation in a lot of ways. And again, it's all it's all based on this core premise of like normie justification. Can you get the average person to buy into the vision and the narrative and create a massive hype cycle? So that's that's what you always have to be thinking about as the core fundamental principle. And so I think AI will definitely have that. I think it's kind of a slam dunk for that. And so the next one is a way to create a form of artificial scarcity. How do you do that? Well, with metaverse, obviously we saw things like metaverse land. And then with the tokens, it was like, okay, well, these tokens will be the, the in-game currency for the land. 
and and different items in games and all that type of stuff. And so that's how you created a concept of digital scarcity. There's only so many land plots in Decentraland or in Sandbox, right? And that's when you saw, you know, some of these land plots going for millions of dollars at the top. So what is the scarcity for AI? Well, ultimately, you need to have computers running these things. And so the scarcity is kind of built into it. It's, it's, the, it's the CPU usage. And I should say GPU usage because that's what's needed to train all the models. So you have this inherent uh, scarcity just in the necessity of running these AI applications. And so how can we uh, create scarcity? I was thinking about this a little bit. Um, you could probably do something like like uh, Amazon Web Services has uh, like AWS credits. And you could probably do something like uh, a token as a credit, right? And so if you want to use some AI application, instead of paying for it like a normal subscription or something, uh, they have a token and you need that token to use as a credit. And maybe they do something with the tokenomics where it's like when people are paying for it, it's like burning a certain percentage of it, whatever, you know, people do whatever they want with the tokenomics to make them very Ponzi-nomic. But that's something you'll want to look for with if you're trying to decide which AI tokens to buy. And by the way, there's not really a lot of AI tokens yet. So I, I should mention that too. This is like a super early stage concept for a narrative. But I, I'm just really confident that I think this is going to happen, honestly. I, I really do. Again, the legitimacy, will there be like successful AI companies that actually use like tokens for their credits and stuff? I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But that's not what we care about. We care about the speculation bubble. And there absolutely will be a speculation bubble around AI. And so the question is just, will there be a crypto-based speculation bubble around AI? I think so, because crypto is the best speculation market in the world, especially because one advantage that we have with crypto versus like traditional companies is there are a lot of like AI startups. There are a lot of obviously big, you know, Google's and Microsoft's, but you can't invest in those startups, right? Because they're private companies. And then Google and Microsoft, like, yeah, you can invest in them, but they're not, they're, gonna, they're not going to make people rich, right? These are already trillion dollar companies. You know, what type of multiple are you going to expect out of that? And so the advantage that crypto has is that if people are trying to buy into the AI narrative, the only real way of speculating on it will be in different AI token projects in crypto. So that's why I'm pretty confident in this. And part of me making this, honestly, is because I want to have the timestamp of being like, yeah, I called this shit like two years ago, fam. Okay. So when people are watching this in two years, I'm like, oh, he called it. He was right. And, you know, hopefully... I'll be living in my yacht by then. You know, that's kind of the goal uh, because I'll, I'll have bought all of the uh, AI tokens and they thousand X'd. And I want you, my loyal viewers, to get thousand X's with me, okay? So that's the next one. You need to have some type of scarcity element. And that honestly is not that hard. Uh, I mean, look at all the different ways they made it for metaverse stuff, whether it was land, NFTs for like in-game items or even characters, whatever tokens that you need to buy stuff in the game we saw a ton of examples of this i think if there's anything that crypto does really well is creating 
Ponzi-nomics and things like that that people can FOMO buy into. So I'm not really worried about that. Of all the things in here, that's like probably the most guaranteed thing that will happen. And so then it'll just be a matter of you kind of assessing different projects and seeing, okay, which one do I think has the best uh, pumpability here? And so then the final one I think is just timing um, as anything. And so like metaverse was great timing because VR tech finally started hitting the mainstream a little bit more, you know, obviously again, you had Facebook and different companies. I mean, even Microsoft, you know, all the big tech companies basically, um, investing pretty heavily in VR in the last like few years leading up to the metaverse, uh, narrative in like 2020, 2021. And then on top of that, on the gaming side, you saw this huge shift in the gaming world where all the games went from like you buy them like you traditionally did to this huge free to play market uh, with like Fortnite and, and, you know, Call of Duty and all these companies basically saying, we're just going to give the games for free and we're going to sell a ton of items in the game. And so creating this idea of like digital economies was not that hard to sell from a crypto perspective because it was already happening on the other side. Um, and you also had like open world games becoming absolutely massive. Obviously, Minecraft is the biggest, you know, game in the world. Uh, you know, you have GTA, you have like, uh, what was that? Like No Man's Sky. And you had like all these different uh, open world games becoming huge and like super popular. And so you had the combination of those different things happening in the gaming industry that made it very easy to kind of port over to the crypto metaverse gaming industry. Um, and so timing is basically another one. And like I said, I mean, uh, the timing couldn't really be better because AI is absolutely taking off right now. And I think we're very, very early stages. I think that in two years from now, when, you know, in 2024, 2025, when we're really, really like probably maybe at a peak of another bull cycle in, in crypto, I think that, uh, that's when AI will also be like, everywhere it'll be mass hype mass everything so i think the timing will line up there so that's that's basically it those are my criteria i could probably uh think of more but i think you would probably be getting into the minutiae a little bit um those were kind of the main ones i would love to know what you guys think um by the way i will say i really appreciate your guys's feedback on the last episode i got some very kind dms and comments saying you guys enjoyed it. So if you have feedback, you know, always let me know. It doesn't have to be like, you know, positive. It could be negative. You could tell me I suck ass or whatever. I don't care. Um, but I also like to know your thoughts on, 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 on this too. So to sum it up, the bullet points, the criteria for our narratives. We've got a big promise for the future that lots of people can buy into. It's got to be something that is simple enough for the average person to understand, but also complex enough that they're not going to understand when it gets too overvalued and that they should have sold a long time ago, right? Uh, and then you need non-crypto forces behind it that really push it and add legitimacy to the concept and the narrative. And then you want a way to create artificial scarcity around it so that people FOMO in. Uh, and then you need the right timing so that everything kind of lines up and that you get this huge mega narrative that pumps our bags to the moon, unironically, right? So that's that's what you need. That's what I was thinking about. And uh, I think I'm going to use this checklist and start coming with more ideas. So AI is one, but I'm sure there will be more. Um, I need to think about more, but that was the one I was thinking about because like I said, I was making the uh, 
ChatGBT video. By the way, ChatGBT, I will say, um, you should watch the video because I go a little more uh, in depth and you can see me actually using it, but it's good. Um, it's good for like baseline stuff. It, once you get a little more complex, it's got drawbacks. But I will say this, it's pretty impressive and it's really easy to be kind of um, cynical or not impressed with tech these days because we kind of over the last like, I don't know, 20 years basically, maybe 30 since the internet age, have seen a ton of innovations constantly, constantly, constantly in terms of especially like internet tech. And I think people are easily or, 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 or I should say the opposite are not easily impressed anymore. But ChatGPT is actually pretty sick, I'm going to be honest. And this is actually GPT 3.5. So if you guys remember, GPT 3 launched, was it a year ago, I think? Maybe two years ago? I don't remember exactly. It's been out for a little bit. And so this is actually 3.5. And supposedly, uh, I saw something on Twitter that they said 4 will be launching, I think they said Q2 next year. And that will be the actual big like leap that that chat gpt is kind of like a, a testing ground right now and that uh, gpt4 will be the big big leap where we may kind of have our uh, socks blown off in terms of how impressive the ai is so like i said the timing for the narrative i think will be perfect over the next couple years so that's enough about that that was kind of the main thing i want to talk about today but i also wanted to just kind of wrap up uh, and talk about some macro stuff because I, I said on previous podcasts um, over the last few months that I thought the macro bottom, which probably would be both the crypto bottom and the, uh, you know, let's say U.S. stock market bottom. I've said that I think the bottom will probably be Q2 2023, Q2 next year. I've said that for a while. I said that basically from last summer. So I've been saying that for like six months now. The reasons for that were one, it would basically be about an 18 month down period. And two, it kind of made sense with where the Fed was heading, right? The Fed needed to raise rates really fast all year long in order to very quickly get inflation under control by destroying demand and uh, basically getting rid of the free money economy that we've been living in for the last few years. And it seems they've pretty successfully done that at this point. Uh, one of the most interesting things I saw this week was shipping carrier data came in at its worst in years, possibly in history. Uh, the drop in month-over-month -month pricing of international shipping by boat, which is basically how most of the U.S. gets, most of U.S. goods get into the country, is by sea freight, had its biggest drop, I think it was 17% month-over-month uh, -month in, in history. And so that is a clear, clear sign that we are seeing some real demand destruction. Because obviously most of our consumer goods come from overseas. And if nobody is basically buying sea freight, then that means that consumers are buying a lot less stuff. And so I do think we are seeing real signs of demand destruction now, and it just hasn't fully shown itself in the inflation data yet. Inflation has been slowly coming down, but it hasn't come down that much. We're still above 7%. Uh, but I think we will see in Q1 the inflation numbers finally start coming down pretty rapidly, probably sub 3%, uh, or I'm sorry, sub 5%. And that will mean economic recession, or at least 
I think a light economic recession in the U.S. I don't think it'll it will have a, a, a really deep and heavy recession, but I think that we will finally see the economy, the average people uh, in the U.S. really start feeling it a little bit. We may see unemployment finally rise, uh, even though it's been pretty steady at the lows for a while, and so that kind of makes me think that Q1 and Q2 we will finally see new lows on stocks and potentially crypto too we'll see bitcoin probably eth maybe or at least eth should probably retest those lows okay cutting back in here apologies i just realized the camera died while i was recording so uh picking up where i left off for on second so demand destruction is finally hitting in the united states is basically what i'm saying and the data will reveal this within the next couple months is my prediction and so i think that by q2 we will likely see a bottom but then we will probably trade pretty sideways for another you know six months after that and i think that the fed will not raise or sorry lower rates that quickly i don't anticipate them doing that because they want to make sure that inflation stays lowered, but they will resume QE very likely. If my my guess would be the beginning of 2024. And so, what does that mean for for crypto? And what does that mean for uh, you know your your trades and investments? I think this coming year is going to be a very choppy year, which can be very good for trading, right? It just means that you're not trying to trade on momentum. You're not trying to uh, trade it like it is a bull cycle. You are trying to trade it like it is a ranging market, and especially, at least for the first half of 2023, likely a downward ranging market. So there's still tons of volatility profits to be extracted in this environment, but it just means that we shouldn't necessarily be expecting things to go up again just yet. Uh, and it also means that for the top quality assets, like in my opinion, like in Ethereum, if you're you know looking for the lower risk pro profile, potentially Bitcoin, even though Bitcoin has some major headwinds coming in tw early 2023 with potentially the sale of some of the GBTC, uh, from Grayscale and the Mt. Gox hacks Bitcoin being released. So Bitcoin may be turbulent. But my, my point is that I think the first half of the year, if you are a DCA or a dollar cost averager, uh, you know, probably Q2, Q1 going into Q2 uh, is a good time to start averaging in, especially if we do get another kind of capitulation type of event where the market falls out one more time because frankly you know i was looking at the chart on eth recently uh actually yesterday and it's been six months since the luna crash and that was when we got the lowest lows of the year at 880 dollars roughly 870 on eth and we went below a thousand basically for the first time and we have not been below a thousand since and it's been six months I think, you know, you have to look at everything in probabilities. There's no certainties. So I think from a probability standpoint, if we do make it through what's likely to be a bad Q1 for the overall U.S. markets, and obviously Bitcoin and ETH being pretty correlated to that, then I think if ETH does not make new lows in Q1, that would make nine months since the previous low and surviving 
tons of absolutely horrific events uh like we obviously saw you know the three ac luna crash the ftx uh you know crash and and fraud and and all of these things happen on top of potentially in q1 like i said uh major demand destruction in the u.s which will lead stocks lower if ETH doesn't make new lows from that, if it doesn't go, you know, below 800 from that, I really don't know what will. And I think at that point is when you st need to start really buying ETH because I think the deflation narrative, again, we were talking narratives, is going to be a huge one. You know, if you look at all the on-chain activity last time that happened, if you were to uh, adjust the current new ETH 2.0 uh, deflation for what we saw in the last cycle, I mean, you would see major deflation and major burning of ETH. Not to mention that obviously you no longer have ETH miners, which have this consistent sell pressure on ETH. So if you want to listen more about that, you should go listen to the Hal Press episode, uh, you know, a couple months back because he, that's kind of his main thesis. And I, I tend to agree with him. It was a really good episode. Um, so those are kind of my thoughts. That's kind of where I see things right now. I think that we'll see a Fed pivot I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah, sure. Fed pivot, end of 2023, early 2024, most likely, which means the markets will probably bottom around mid next year, uh, and that will be the time to buy. And frankly, it's going to be kind of cozy because the nice thing about you know averaging in over time and being patient is you know you forget that in in bull markets everything is about moving fast and FOMO and like trying to constantly find the next trade, the next trade, multiply your bags, because there's almost this race against time. Once you've been around the block, you know, okay, this bull market is not going to last forever. We're only going to have these crazy times for say a year or so. So I need to absolutely maximize my gains in the next, in this year. Next year is not going to be like that. Next year is going to be a cozy year where you should focus on building the bags in the positions you like, identifying narratives like I talked about earlier, potentially finding coins outside of the majors that you think will have promise in the next cycle. Not an easy thing to do. I think with AI coins, the reason I like it is because in crypto, new stuff tends to do better than old stuff with a few exceptions. Uh, and I think AI has the element of being a new narrative and a bunch of new coins that are going to come out for it. And so that's one of the reasons I like stuff like that. But thinking about potential new narratives, thinking about what types of coins will survive from the last cycle, what type of coins had launched this year, right, in 2022, that really never saw the light of day because the market was so shit this year that people will recognize for their real value in the future. You know, I've talked about things like Aura, I've talked about things like Premia on this podcast of things that I like. Um, I think those also hit on some of the other narratives. Now, I think those will be more crypto-specific narratives, not so much uh, big, huge mainstream narratives being like real yield with Aura, being uh, the options uh, narrative with Premia. I think the perp, uh, the on-chain uh, perp narrative will continue. Obviously, we've seen GMX be one of the best performers through this bear market. And I think that will continue because uh, there's just such a huge market for perps. It's one of the biggest products that crypto has. Um, and obviously, with FTX and other exchanges kind of being more questionable now, uh, or FTX is not questionable, they're dead, but other exchanges being questioned on top of that, I think moving on-chain towards perps will be a real thing. And I don't think we're going to realize the true value of them because it's hard when when it's all people have talked about if you're really in crypto for the last few months that you think, oh, okay, whatever, it's played out. 
but most of these things are not that big yet. Uh, I, I think that we'll, we will see uh, on-chain per protocols worth 10 billion plus market cap, if not much more next cycle. I mean, just look at like FTX and Binance valuations in this previous cycle. I'm not saying that we'll get that high until like, you know, Binance was valued at, what was the peak 200 billion or something? And obviously FTX was 36 billion or something valuation. Um, so I think saying a perp protocol could get to 10 or 20 is not that crazy. Not saying it will necessarily be GMX. Uh, in fact, I probably would guess it's not going to be GMX, but I do think we will see one or two that do that. Uh, and options protocols too. That's one thing that we really haven't seen enough of yet is options protocols. It's options in crypto this last cycle were not great. You know, you had Deribit, you had other protocols that offered this, but it wasn't that good and i think that you will see this cycle options really mature because options are a product that people in crypto have not had a lot of exposure to yet we've had lots of exposures to futures right that's basically all everyone trades but options offer a different type of leverage that in crypto specifically can be very beneficial, right? Because the problem with perpetual futures is that you have price liquidations. And obviously price is very volatile, you know? And so if you're trying to lever up with a perp, it's difficult because you can be right uh, in the long term. Say you're trying to position yourself for a trade that might happen over the course of a month or something. Uh, but then, you know, just that in, intraday volatility, intraweek volatility can kill you and get you a price liquidation. Whereas with options, obviously, they do not have price liquidations. They are, they are more time-based. And so you can have lots of volatility in the short term and still have your options uh, expire where you want them to in the long term, or at least, you know, with American options like Premia, you don't need to wait for the expiration date. But you kind of get the point. It's, it's what do you prefer, a price-based liquidation or a time-based liquidation? Uh, and I think that a lot of people will realize why options are used so much in traditional markets because they have a lot of advantages to them that a traditional perp does not. So I think all those narratives are things that we should be looking at. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll come with some more for some future episodes. But yeah, that's kind of my view for the next for the next year or so. Um, anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed this video. Make sure to watch the chat GPT one. That one was a lot of fun to make. Uh, I spent like I did a little different style on that one. I did a little more IRL filming on that one than just um, me at a computer. So trying to trying to upgrade the quality for everybody here. You know, we're we're gonna make it. That's another goal. Twenty twenty three goals. Daily bread. Hundred k subs. Mark my words. Looking in the camera. Mark my words. It's gonna happen. Anyways, thanks so much for listening, guys. Please, uh, you know, if you listen on iTunes or anything, leave a rating or something. If that's still matters. And if you're on YouTube, please subscribe because 80% of the viewers are not subscribed. You guys watch and don't subscribe. So anyways, thanks so much for watching. I will see you guys next time.